This is Big O, and you are now tuned into the official TRL Talks podcast. Yeah. You know what the fuck going on? It's Saturday season. What? Light like breeze, Winston freeze, pussy squeeze, cheddar cheese. Rich nigga fucking on me. I got him sucking on me. He said he wanted a free. I got him licking my feet. Bitch. Um, what's good, guys? Welcome back to Zero Talks podcast. Big O here or Oinda here, depending on the day, you know, some days I'm big O, some days I'm just Oinda. Today I'm feeling like Oinda. I'm not feeling too, I'm not feeling like my my usual cocky self, so y'all could just call me O for today. Um, What's good, guys? Um, happy Wednesday. I hope you guys had a, are having a good week so far. Like, the fall is always super transitional for me, with like just so many things always like changing and in the pipeline and just just doing a lot doing a lot but in the spirit of doing a lot my guest today also also does a lot <laughs> i know there's a lot of well i don't know about a lot but i know there's people out there who mm-hmm. call me set but it's actually set it's you say the letters. yeah you say the letters out okay all right S-E-T. yes sir I have in the building today is SET, motherfucking SET. Let the record, let the record reflect that it's been clarified on Tarot Talks podcast today. That is indeed SET and not set. You people should stop farming. <laughs> All right. So this nigga's in the building. Let me give you, let me give you a moment to, you know, introduce yourself to the people. What do you do? Who are you? Why the fuck are you here? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Um, hello everyone. Wow, that was a great intro. Uh, <laughs> yes, it is me, SET. Um, my real name is Sean Fumi, but you know, my friends call me SET. Mm-hmm. Um and I am a communications associate corporately. I am. Same. Oh, for real? Get us. Oh, yeah, for real. Oh communications associate. That's yeah, crazy. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm a communications associate corporately. Um, I guess creatively, I do a bunch of different stuff. So, like creative writing, uh, creative strategy. Um, I do like artist copywriting and stuff mm-hmm. and I am now an artist manager for the hardest rapper the Nigeria. hardest fucking rapper the hardest rapper in Nigeria everybody on this everybody that listens to my shit knows how hard I fuck with S God I mean she's been on the pod before she was actually my first yeah I, I I love her so much and we talk all the time she's she's such a dope person so like I was just like yeah all right all right you cool then you cool then <laughs> So yeah, I manage I manage Escod and I run a company called Bridge, and we do um, copywriting and creative strategy for upcoming artists. So yeah, facts, 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 facts. We love we love a multifaceted we love a multifaceted man. <laughs> All right, so let's get into like what's been your like personal slash professional journey and like what kind of influenced you to get into like you know the entertainment industry and artist development and strategy and all those types of things like how did you get here 
Um, well, I've always loved music in particular. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, I've just always been really addicted to music. And growing up, like I grew up in a really strict Christian house. Mm -hmm. So the only music I actually listened to was like Christian music or music that was like all musicals. Mm -hmm. So like Sound of Music, Mary Fuck. That is I know so all interesting. The, I know all the words of those songs still. And like, that's what I grew up on essentially. Mm -hmm. And then maybe when I was like, and obviously I heard music at other places. So like we go to parties and stuff all the time and you hear like Cisco and Britney Spears, all that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. But like, it wasn't something I was really listening to in my free time or on my own. And then I got a radio. My mom got me a radio when I was like nine or 10. And I have no idea why she did that. She probably thought I was just gonna listen to Christian music only. <laughs> but bruh, as soon as I discovered like the pop station, yeah, it was a rap. <laughs> I used to sleep like on the floor next to my radio and just listen to music to fall asleep. And like Toxic by Britney Spears, my favorite song at the time. And like, I don't know, I've just always had a real strong attachment to music. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I was born and raised in America, in Maryland, and like fast forward to- Not you being a DMV nigga. No, I'm really, I mean, technically I am, but I'm also <laughs> not. <laughs> I feel like, I, I don't know, I feel like I don't really, I just float between scenes because of yeah. circumstance. Mm -hmm. um, but like when I was 15, I moved back to Nigeria. Um, my dad moved me and my sisters back because he was like, he wants us to connect with our culture okay, and like mm -hmm. make Nigerian friends and stuff before it's too late. At least was it wasn't like the usual because a lot of people, their stories are always, oh, they moved them back as like punishments. Like I've had like a bunch of, because I have a lot of friends that like grew up here and then moved to Nigeria. And like the reason, their, their parents' motivation for moving them was because they wanted to like punish them for something. And I'm just like, why should it have to be punishment? Like, why can't it just be, oh, go to where you're from and like, just be around your own culture no but i kind of wish it had been punishment because i was so no i was so angry because i was like i was doing well like i was in the middle of high school i just mm -hmm. my sophomore year i was like i played basketball i was doing shot put and like track and field stuff and then i was also like on the honor roll like i was doing pretty well and then he was like okay time to move to nigeria i was like you know what the fuck like i have friends here and all that type of stuff yeah, I was doing well, and I just had to move back, and I was really, like, pissed off. Mm -hmm. um, but I adapted, um, actually started making friends and stuff. So I finished secondary school in Lagos. I did my sixth form in Lagos as well. And it was during sixth form that I started, like, that was my first time really living away from home and stuff. And just sort of, like, you know, get the chance to explore the type of things you like to do. So I started writing creatively like poetry and stuff like that. And I had a little um, WordPress blog and stuff. And this was like in the earlier days of Twitter when it was still pretty civil. Our stories like... are so similar, it's actually crazy. No, but that's the thing, like that's sort of what even ties into my whole journey. There's a lot of people that have like similar yeah. stories. Mm -hmm. And it was through that, that I started like realizing how many talented Nigerians there are just like creatively that were sort of doing their own thing. Wow. And it was just really separate. Like everyone was sort of floating around. Um, so I had like this idea of starting some type of website or like social platform or something where artists could like a hub basically where they could showcase their work. And um, I actually set out to do it. I set up a website in like 
2014, 2015, with the help of some of my really good friends who I'm still you know, friends with today. And it was like, we really didn't know what we were doing. I didn't know what I was doing. And it eventually folded, but like it still made its own little ripple, I guess, mm -hmm. within like that culture space that I was even trying to operate in. And I remember we wrote like reviews of some of Lady Donnelly's like first projects and we featured like different photographers and even just gave like people that are doing different things now like a place to at least try their hand at stuff creatively. And that was like my first taste of it. But I also remember like at the end of it, when it like sort of finished being kind of fed up with everything and like sort of discouraged because like it didn't work out essentially. Yeah. Yeah, 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 but you know it is what it is. So I go to uni in England, University of Birmingham, study law just because I need something to study. Why are all of you studying law? Like law. <laughs> Yo, enough. law is like no, nah, but it's not. It's very Nigerian, and that's it is. It really is. If you're good at English and good at literature, and you can like talk well or debate or something go and study law especially if you're not strong in science or math like that's your own just go and study law and it's like wait you're saying okay. as if law school is beans just go and study law but like the way everyone talks about it i too thought like okay at least it'd be like interesting law is not interesting though like i remember first that's year what I'm doing hearing, contract actually. law towards law and it's literally just recite cases recite cases and cram the cases and like the worst part is at the end of the year, you get one exam for the whole module, and it's like 100% your grade. And I'm like, this doesn't even make sense. <laughs> like, nope. It doesn't make sense. So I hated law, but I didn't know what I was going to do. And like, you know, first year, just partying, having fun, having a good time. Um, but at the same time, I started doing spoken word poetry, like in England. And I started in Birmingham at my university, actually, through like one of the societies. I thought it was a normal poetry society, but it was spoken word. And people had always told me like, I should do spoken word. And I always tried to write my poetry with like a rhythm to it. So I was like, you know what, fuck it. Let me just, they, they said like, who wants to share? We had like a writing exercise and they said, who wants to share? And normally like, I would never do it, but I was just like, you know what, fuck it. Let me just do it. And I did it and the reception was really good. And like, oh, like you're actually good. So they sort of like brought me in. I sort of started sharpening my skills there and I started looking for like places to perform. And then there's this organization called Beat Freaks in Birmingham. So I performed that, they have this thing called Poetry Jam first Thursday of every month. And like I performed there and the reception was really sick. And like some of the people that even ran the night like came up to talk to me and stuff. And I just started networking with them and I didn't really think anything of it. Like I kept going to perform and things like that. And one day they hit me up like, oh, they have this opportunity for people to do like marketing work um, for Birmingham city um, to get young people to vote. So coming up with like little campaign things. So they mm -hmm. said they thought I'd be good at it. Um, I did it and I loved it. Like it was really fun. And I was like, this is actually work. Like people get paid for this type of stuff. And yeah. I sort of, like, you know that type of work exists, but no one ever presents it to you like, this is an exactly. actual job package. I was take. just talking about this yesterday because I graduated with a biology degree. So I was always in STEM and all of that type of stuff. And like, even while I was in school, like all of like my extracurricular activities were like in some sort of like communication space, PR, blah, blah, blah. But like, 
I feel like nobody was necessarily like it wasn't a thought that was nurtured in my mind that like there was like a career to be had there. It was just kind of like something that I was like doing and that I liked and that I was good at. And then it took me taking like three years off of school and everything to be like, wait, this is like, this is a thing. Like, this is fully a thing. Like, why is nobody, why has nobody told me that this is a thing that I can actually do as my career? I had like a full on like aha moment where I'm like, wait, this doesn't have to just be like a hobby. Like being creative is a career. So why can't I just do that? And like, I haven't looked back since then. No, like people, it's really sad that like, even still now people don't realize how many ways your creative skills can be used corporately. Exactly. And for me, as soon as I clocked, it was a real light bulb moment because I was like, I could actually do, I don't have to do law basically. Cause I was like, what am I actually gonna do after I finish this degree? Cause the only option was looking like, you know, you have to find an internship or go back to night and do law school. And I was like, I'm, there's no way in hell Absolutely I'm going not. back to do law school. So I think this is like 2017 now, um, after my second year of uni is finished. And I got an opportunity to work on this festival um, in Birmingham. And I was on the marketing and content team and it was all free, like it was volunteer work essentially. And I worked for free the entire summer. And I was broke as hell, but I got like a really, really good, like valuable experience. And then I now applied for an internship at a museum, like on our campus in my third year. And it was a marketing internship and I got it. And like from there, I just, I literally never stopped working. Like mm-hmm. one internship would finish, I would do another. Um, I was always looking for like, cause I realized that I was already starting from behind cause I didn't start to like after my second year. Yeah. And the only way that you're ever gonna get like a real job is experience. Experience, exactly. Because the moment so you graduate, just... you already want like three to five years experience. And it's like, where the fuck am I supposed to get that from? <laughs> Even when you've been working a little bit, you see jobs and it's like, no, we need five to seven years of experience. And it's like, and it'll be entry level still. And you're like, yeah, "Hmm, something's not adding up. It's not adding up at all. Like, it's just, it's ridiculous. And um, that's sort of just like what motivated me getting that experience. I did my master's in strategic marketing management. So I fully diverted. I told my parents, like, yeah, I'm not doing law. And they were cool with it because I I had all the experience and stuff. And then during my master's, I also, or yeah, I think either during my final year or during my master's, I started writing press releases for like artists on the side. Cause during this whole time during the meeting, like a bunch of artists, essentially, I was like friends with Mav before I started uni um, and like DJ FMO. And through them, there was just like, we'd be in London and there'd be like sessions like music sessions that we didn't realize were sort of sessions just like people in the house making music together just making music like, yeah. I met Very Higo cool. like I met DOZ like all these different guys and I knew Tommy C um, I came with me of Lucid Lemons so like they ran a site like you know a platform from artists essentially and they want people to submit their stuff and I remember her just complaining to me one time that like artists send in the music but they don't have like any message or packaging with it. It's just really yeah. poorly done. So it's just like, listen to my song. And I was like, that's interesting. I write really well. I could probably just help people like package their stuff. So I started like advertising press releases as like a side hustle. Um, and yeah, I was doing that. I did my master's, moved back to America cause I had to find like a real job. And then the pandemic hit. 
and sort of just shut everything down. Damn. So I'm like, I'm writing my press releases still. And it's even getting like bigger. Like I got to write for the Caveman's album and mm-hmm. write like for some of their singles and some of their press kit stuff. Um, even like, just because I knew Higo, I got to write for like the company issues track, um, Lady Donnelly as well. Uh, she had like a run of singles, I think during my masters. And they were really, it was like games, poison. And like, it was just really fun, a really fun roll and stuff. And I got to help her yeah. like with the pressures and all that. So I was getting the experience as well. And everything sort of grinds to a halt. And I'm just kind of thinking like, you know, what am I going to do? What next, like, yeah. What next? And people were telling me like, okay, pitch to some big artists. So I did, I, I reached out to like Fireboy, I reached out to Joe Boy, I reached out to Thames. And like, I got aired by everyone except Thames team. Donovan replied to me and he's like, you know, your resume looks good, blah, blah, blah. But like, our team is, we don't really need like a writer or anything. Mm-hmm. And that was another light bulb moment. Cause it was sort of like, everyone wants to work with the big artists, but like, you don't get big without having some kind of solid team in place. Yeah, exactly. Facts. So I was like, whatever I'm going to do, it needs to be built up from the ground. From the ground, true, true. Yeah. So I knew, like, I just wanted a way to showcase, because I was doing all this stuff pretty quietly. Like, I never really advertised it. And um, I reached out to Camille Storm, who's, like, a music publicist and a music exec. And she needed like press releases for some of her artists. So I started like writing for them as well. And then I got to do like some bigger stuff and I was like, okay, it's time to like start putting myself out there. But I didn't want to do it individually. So I wanted to set up an agency. Um, and that's sort of how Bridge came about. Cause I was like, I need to showcase what I do like mm-hmm. through an agency. And I was also writing like press releases and a guy I know, um, shout out to Gabriel, uh, GJ the Caesar. So he's a Nigerian-British artist and he's reached out to me for press releases a few times. Um, and he sends me a track and it's called What's the Passcode? And I listen to it and there's this babe rapping on it and I'm like, who the fuck is this? And I've listened to like a lot of women rapping at the time, especially, but it was all American. And I was like, damn, it'd be really sick if we had like a Nigerian babe that was mm-hmm. like killing it in the rap shit. And like, I heard that and I was like, who is this? I was thinking of Escort. I was like, never heard of her. But one thing about me, if I like yourself, I'll literally like hit you up or post right. on social media. Child, yeah, I'm that so one I too. I DM'd her and I was like, you know, you're dope. Like I heard your verse is really fire, really liked it. And we sort of just stayed in touch. Um, and like she would post music and I would just like send her messages about the snippets and stuff. And then she posted one snippet and it really caught my ear. And that was actually like feel right. So she told me, it's like, oh, this is actually my single. And she said, it's produced by DOZ and it features Fanny. And I was like, wait, what? Cause DOZ doesn't just produce for anybody. For anyone, yeah. Fanny yeah. especially does not record for just anybody. So I was like, this is, this is real serious. This and she sent me a song. Shit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I heard it, it was so good. And I was like, do you have, like anything in place for it. And she was like, not really. Like she's trying to figure out how to run it. I was like, bro, like, let me help you. Basically. Let me help you. I love and it was really that. just off the, you know, I wasn't trying to do anything. I was just like, let me help you. Cause I know like, I set her up with the artist, um, F.S. Serwa who did the painting um, for the cover art. 
and like I helped him do the press release and stuff. And it was like an actual working relationship at first. And then she said, like, she showed, she told me the concept she had for the video. And I was like, I mean, it's the pandemic, so we're at home, but like, can we run this? And I was like, I think we can run this. So we basically did the video together and stuff. And that's like how our working relationship also kind of started. started. So that's it's been like a really long journey, but everything's kind of like full circle. Well, now. yeah, I, it sounds like it's been like, it sounds super like well-rounded and like you've done like the foundational work to make sure that whatever it is that you're not going to be doing moving forward is going to be solid. And I, I respect that because I think there's, there's, especially now, like there's this thing where a lot of us want, and I think it, it's part of it is like societal pressure where like we want this like instant gratification in terms of like career and like wanting to blow up and all of that. And I think in that you kind of lose some of the some of the necessary steps that it takes to really make sure that you're setting yourself up for success. So like, I respect that. Cause like, it's super like similar to like my journey as well, where it's like, I started this whole content creation thing when I was like 15, basically. And like just doing a bunch of random shit here and there. And then I would have laws and I would just try something different. I had a blog. I was doing fashion content at a point. I was doing makeup content at a, at a point. And like, I've gone through so many like different phases to like kind of figure out like exactly what space I want to occupy. And so like now I'm like, okay, I, I actually know how to go about this. And then a lot of like my professional slash corporate development has like tied into like a lot of the things that I want to do creatively as well. So I'm like, okay, this, this, the synergy now makes sense. So like, I have like a good enough foundation to like be successful moving forward. I fuck with that. I fuck with that. That's a good story. Um, so Bridge launched back in like May. Was it May? Bro, I really cannot tell you. Like for months, <laughs> I've literally blurred together. It probably was May. Like I think it was I think it was May. That's really bad that I don't know. People that you don't know when your shit launched. <laughs> but like it's really been that type of year where it's like there's been so much happening. Yeah. Um, so but I believe, that? yeah. What was that like, kind of like conceptualizing this whole like creative agency experience and like, how's the work been so far? Um, conceptualizing it, I literally just do what I always do when I have these types of ideas. I, I go to my brain trust of just close people and friends and stuff. So um, I talked, I was talking to Lanaire Adiremi, um, good, good friend of mine. Uh, we go like way back, I don't even know to when, but just an amazing poet, an amazing playwright, like creative director. She does like everything you can imagine. And I was sort of talking to her about the general idea that I had, because I knew like, I was thinking at first it was going to be like creative agency, like artist management services. Um, so I was like just talking through that. and. She said to me, you know what, when I think of you, I think of a bridge, because you're always like connecting people. People. Mm. To, and as soon as you said, I was like, oh shit, that's it. Like I didn't even, I was like, that's it. Okay, that's the name. Like it's done. And it was just like a real powerful moment because I was like the way it hit me was like lightning. And I was like, okay, yeah, this is when you know, you know, type of thing. So I was definitely, I also talked to um Lady Dolly about it and 
she was like, I shouldn't do management. And I'm now fully get why she said I shouldn't offer it as a service because she was like, management is a whole different ball game. And like, are you really sure you want to like put that on yourself? And I was like, fair enough, because she obviously knows like being knows, artist, yeah. like, managers go through and stuff like that. So I was I like, okay. Have, I used to have this idea in my mind that I wanted to manage an artist at some point in my career. And to some extent, I still kind of do, but bruh, knowing myself, like the level of it, it, mm, it takes a lot. It, it takes, takes a lot. lot. And there's a lot of like patience and communication skills that you need to have. And like, I know myself, I get fed up of people because it's not just the artists that you're working with. It's this whole other network of just things and people that you're trying to like put together. And I get fed up real quick. So I don't even think that I have like <laughs> the facilities to do it. So I, I feel that. No, so yeah, it's it's just like you said, it's so much work. Like the networking that you have to do, like it's on a different type of level. And I'm really glad that we didn't offer that as a service initially because it could have been disastrous real quick. Um, and yeah, I just, I worked with my good friend, Amanda. Um, She's my like partner in it right now. So it's just literally the two of us doing the work um, along with, um, his name is Bobby. He's a graphic designer. So he helps us with like some of the stuff you see on Instagram. Um, but we worked with Table and Chair, this amazing, amazing, amazing branding company that Lanagari introduced me to. And my friend Noma introduced me to as well because they both like use their services. So when I saw the work that they did, like, you know, designing logos and storyboarding and just co conceptualizing like a brand, I was like, this is excellent. Like, let me work with these guys and took the bridge concept and they sort of just ran with it. And that's how we arrived at like the logo, which I love so much that. He, there's a whole <laughs> tattoo people. <laughs> there's a full on tattoo on his arm of the bridge logo for those that are listening. <laughs> Like, that's crazy i fuck not, with that. that's how you know like, you're really connected to some shit it's my personal commitment like this shit has to it has to work and yeah so it just it took a, a while it took many many months of just like meetings and looking at graphics and all sorts of stuff but we finally like arrived at it and we decided that we're just gonna start with copywriting press strategy because artists need press releases they need biographies they need song descriptions yeah. they need stuff for their websites yeah and everybody needs creative strategy yeah um, so in that vein right like what are mm -hmm. some of like the specific challenges that you think exist in like the nigerian entertainment market as it is especially for like artists themselves that you you can like tackle that bridge can tackle I think some of the challenges that exist right now is just like lack of even knowledge and like resources, right? Um, people sort of reach out to me, you know, from time to time, just asking questions, like upcoming artists ask me questions. I've definitely worked through like strategy work with a lot of my friends, even just like bouncing ideas off of each other. And I think, in, especially in the Nigerian space, there's sort of just like, a lack of knowledge and resources. Like everyone sort of wants, like everyone knows where they're trying to get to, 
but even but how just like to the, get there is like mm -hmm. that foundational work to even get there and then the other big problem is just budgets like money people need money to do things and there's no money on ground mm -hmm. there's no money on ground so there's no money on ground and there's no there's not that much interest in like investing either yeah it's really hard to convince someone to invest in an artist especially because it can go left like real like real quick yeah music is almost like the lottery when you really think about it it's like you don't even know sometimes what's just gonna blow up and who's gonna blow up so it's really hard to sort of convince people to make that investment those are probably like the two biggest challenges i think and i think what bridge tries to do at least is through our work, at least like when we work with artists, we work pretty hands-on with them. Like we try to explain our process, like why we do things, why we think things should be written a certain way, like what we're trying to convey and what we're trying to help these artists do. And I know that like they appreciate that and sort of like the feedback that we even give them, the care that we take with like their music and sort of showing them like the steps that we think they should take if they don't want to take them or they can't afford it at the moment like obviously we understand that but even just showing them the steps that you think they should take that are um, even possible right exactly regardless of if they're going to work with us or do it independently and then i mean we try and keep it affordable like obviously we also need to be paid like fairly but we're yeah. trying to keep it like as affordable as possible and one of the things i'm definitely just thinking about and like working on in the back of my mind is like how do we sort of scale this thing while still keeping it affordable? Because I know there's definitely a need for the services, um, but like at the same time, it's already reaching the point where I think we might need to start thinking like expansion a bit. So expansion, just sort of weighing those things up. Yeah, those are like things that give me anxiety, like personally, and I think that I think I'm also like. I'm even trying to put myself in the shoes of like an artist or whatever as a content creator and like thinking about like this kind of like next phase because I'm like in the middle of like a obviously at the point that this is out like I'm going to be well into it but like I'm going I'm like going through like a transitional phase and like my content creation and like where I stand as like just just a brand in general where I'm like rebranding and like because of the fact that I work alone mostly, it's like, it's been a point of like frustration or anxiety for me kind of like trying to figure out, okay, so what, like, I know what the end goal is. I know like where, like, I, I know the vision and I know what I see, but like, even like figuring out like, okay, the steps, like, what am I, what am I even like, maybe not thinking of like, that I could actually be doing and like, what gaps could I be filling? So like, I, I totally get you. Like, there's always going to be, there's always going to be a need for the services that Bridge is like offering. It's just a matter of like trying to fit into the space as well, where it's like limited resources and it's not just a bunch of money being thrown at people where they can just kind of like spend it and like make sure that yeah. there's going to be a return and stuff like that. It's very much like, it's tricky, but I'm sure you figure it out. I'm sure I'll figure I have it out. To. You have you to. Have to. It's already no tattooed option. on your arm. You Bruh, can't go back there's now. No option. There's no Bruh. option. Okay, so with that said, I always kind of like to ask this, especially for like people that are like that kind of see like the BTS of like the industry. 
what do you think is kind of like unique about like where Nigerian culture and like entertainment stands like at the moment? And like, where are you, like, what do you see in like our near like future? Like, where do you hope that we like kind of take this transitional phase that we're at right now? I'm very, very excited with like where Nigerian music is and where it's come from. Um, it's taken a little while to get here, but like the growth has been really organic. And like now it's about to really explode. Like it keeps getting crazier, but it's like, it's still about to explode in, in an even bigger way. Um, if you look at how like it's transitioned from the 2013, 2014, like SoundCloud era into now you have like guys from that same era, they're signed to different labels, they're on billboards, like, Thames is on a Drake um, album. Bruh, she's crazy. number. She's doing like a million streams in a day. Amare is performing at the Roxy. Um, well, Amare's not Nigerian, but like honorary Nigerian. Yeah, so. she's yeah, she's an honorary. Yeah. She's part of us. <laughs> performing at the Roxy and SOBs, like people are just doing really crazy things right now. And like even on a smaller scale, if you look at like Psycho IP. Um, someone like that who's really generating like a big fan base and following, especially in the UK. Um, it's just, it's a beautiful time for this, like for this space. I'm just hoping like we can, we don't lose like control of it or yeah. it just goes off the rails. But even from like our own perspective, like being with uh, Escogen, it's, we're, we're both really excited. Um, her EP is like fully ready now. Um, and we're excited to drop it and put it out just because we feel like it's, the scene is like really ripe for like her yeah, sound now. Sure. The reception to pop shit, for example, just, it was beautiful. And like, we're just excited to put out the rest of these tracks and see where we can take it to as well. And yeah, I feel like if you're someone that's in the music space, if you're an artist, if you're a manager, if you're a writer, editor, whatever you do, you should be really excited about like what's going to happen. I feel like 2022 is definitely going to be one for the books. For sure. I think the way that the scale is growing, and I'm even thinking about it like as somebody that's lived in the diaspora for like so long. I've been here 10 years and like I was in college at like the 20, 2013, 2014 era. And like, I even remember like how like hard it would be like if we would like go to parties and stuff, like they would have like maybe like a 10 minute set for like Africans and they'd be like, oh, shout out to all my Africans, blah, blah. And there would be like a rotation of like three different songs that they would play at every single party. And those were the songs oh. that Africans got and that was it. Um, did you get a uni here? Yeah, I did. I did. I went to uni in New York. Yeah, it was it was a crazy time. Like it was so frustrating for us because we almost felt like there were no spaces that like catered specifically like to what we wanted to hear or whatever. Partying was always kind of like us having to like assimilate to something different. Whereas now, like literally I live on a busy street and like every other second, like Essence is playing as somebody's driving down the road. And it's like, it's just so surreal to see like, like our shit becoming like fully mainstream. However, and me, I have a very gatekeepy personality. So like maybe that's just no, that's fair. That's fair. But I have a I have a gatekeepy personality where I'm kind of like, 
anxious about it. Like, I don't want, like, mainstream is great. And, like, I want all of these artists to, like, get their dues because, like, they work really hard. And, like, you know, the music, the music is solid. So, like, it should have that, like, global reception that it's getting. I'm just kind of anxious, like, for the industry not to, like, get, like, taken over by like western influences kind of like and i don't want like our artist development to be done by like western influences or like you know people from the outside that don't necessarily understand like the artist journeys and all of those types of things and even like with like music and entertainment media i'm just like very cautious of like who is writing these stories who's doing these reviews like all of those yeah. types of things so like I'm excited, but I'm also kind of like mm, twiddling my thumbs. Like I, I hope, I hope this shit goes well, and I hope it doesn't like move to like a direction that I'm not gonna, not gonna enjoy. Because I don't know. Again, gatekeeping. So no, I get it though. I definitely get it. Um, but at the same time, like for example, with the reaction to like the Essence remix, I really just looked at it from like a real industry perspective, where I was like, bro, if Justin Bieber is gonna offer to hop on your song you're probably not going to say no, like, anyway. Just exactly. Like that right, right, right. And I know, like, I mean, his verse wasn't bad. I don't think it was particularly good, but, like, it did what it needed to do and sort of spread the original even further. further and, facts. I mean, I think that's the thing. When you say Nigeria to the world, Nigeria to the world, Nigeria to the world, you cannot, it's very hard to police how the world now responds, yeah. reacts, and very sort of... True deals with that but like i feel that one of the greatest strengths of this whole scene so far like even the growth of everything is that we're exporting the sound directly it's not like people adapting their um sounds to like western sounds like it's True. their own music and then True. the westerners are taking it on on i think what excites me really is the fact that like now there's the people that are making music now are like Nigerians like grew up on a lot of Western music. So like even the people blowing now still grew up on like a lot of, I mean, grew up on a lot of Western music as well, but like the influences in the music that's being made by like a lot of younger people, especially like alternative artists is so like Western influenced, but then they're putting their own spin on it just through like their yeah. own creativity and like the sounds they're around. So the music that's even gonna start coming out of Nigeria is gonna be even like, more out there but it's gonna be good because it's just there's so many different like subcultures and genres mm -hmm. um that these artists can tap into and really like make a name for themselves still Facts. how do you feel about because i'm still kind of tossing around on like my perspective of this because there's still this conversation around like music that can blow locally like in nigeria and music that's more like global facing and I'm wondering why, I mean, I, I, to some extent I get it, but like, I'm also wondering why there's still like that kind of like separation, like, oh, if you want your music to blow locally, this is the type of music you should be making. And if you want to like, if you want to cross borders, this is the type of music you should be making. I'm, I'm kind of wondering why that level of like openness and acceptance within, but then again, you know, again, this is me talking as somebody that's in the diaspora. So like my perspective might be a little different, but like, I wonder where, I wonder where it is that like artists kind of like should be standing on that. Like, should they still kind of be concerned with like making music that's going to connect locally or is it, 
fine to kind of have that global outlook and then it's like okay if you guys if y'all are into it then y'all are into it i'd say all you can really do is make music that's authentic to you to you so uh takes takes eddie for example because i've really been able to like work very closely with her um her music is influenced by like her entire life so she spent time in england um, she spent time in South Beach and she spent a lot of time in Nigeria. And like, she's really talented just musically. Like she's so versatile in what she can do. So she's able to like tap into all these different sounds and then work with like also really inventive and creative producers and like just make something that it might not sound like anything you've really heard before. And it's not going to sound, pop shit doesn't sound like any traditional Nigerian song you've ever yeah. heard before. But like, it still connects with like the mentality of like young people in Nigeria. In Nigeria, facts. You're really yeah. hustling and you're just trying to blow. And like the sounds are still sounds that they recognize because like, again, it's the stuff we've grown up on, like these Western influences yeah. and like spacey types of production and like hard rap and like, you know, especially coming from like a young woman, especially it's not out of the ordinary, like it's expected, it's craved. So I think you have to just make music that's really authentic to you. Um, if you're making music from the mindset of, I need to make music to blow in X, Y, Z, or I need to make music to blow, I don't think it can ever really work. Work like that, sucks. Because it's not coming from like your heart, basically. Like, it just has to be really authentic to you. Yeah. And artists, I mean, the, not artists, the fans will feel that. Like, the yeah, and I think can people tell. can tell when things are gimmicky and when like, you know, something is like super authentic coming from the most genuine place from an artist. Cause like, I, even as a listener, like somebody that takes in a load of music, I'm just like, mm, I feel like you did this with this specific thing in mind, which is not necessarily bad because you're, you know, it's, it's what we will do. And like, you're catering, you're trying to cater to like different audiences, different markets, whatever. So it's not necessarily a bad thing to have in the back of your mind, but there yeah. still has to be that balance of like, okay, how do I still make this as authentic to me as possible? So yeah, I, I agree with you for sure, for sure. Well, it's been great. I learned a lot today. Some profound shit. Thank you for coming on the podcast. I really, really appreciate it. I respect you so much. I mean, I'm really just like in my own corner trying to do my thing. Trying to do, uh, right, trying to do your best. And you know what? It shows. I feel yeah, you. Yeah, I'm glad it does. Like, my goal has always been let the work speak. Um, and yeah, stay tuned because there's definitely, like, we have some good stuff coming for for the sirens next month. So hmm. thank you all for When I was in Lagos in December, um, said he invited me to, like, a, a like little listening session. And she like invited like a bunch of like a, just a bunch of girls or whatever to just like come to the studio yeah, and like to just play some shit. And I was just like, I fuck with this girl so hard. Like even aside from the music, it takes a lot of like, like you can just tell when an artist is like super invested in like being the best version of themselves that they can be. And like, and like, I think she's very much just really, really invested in the craft because it's like, not everybody does that. Not everybody's going to be like, okay, these people that I just like, even if they're not my friends or whatever, like, I just want you guys because I respect you. And I think that your perspective matters to just like come through and just like listen to some shit and like give feedback. Like that's, 
that's a vulnerable vulnerable position to put yourself in as an artist but like it's a way for like you to like push yourself to grow you know what i mean so like i felt for her heavy and i I know the shit is gonna be it's gonna be astronomical me i'm ready but yeah let the people know where to find you on social and all that type of shit um yeah i guess you're looking for me find me on instagram and twitter in set we trust um both platforms uh follow in fact don't even follow me follow bridge follow bridge right not every day follow my personal accounts follow my follow follow the hustle god one on instagram and twitter s-g-a-w-b-0-1 and bridge you know bridge full stop i-n-c yeah i-n-c on instagram so follow those accounts. You don't have to follow me. I mean, there's nothing really interesting happening here. <laughs> follow those accounts. That's where the real work is. That's where and, the work uh, is. Feel I hope to share it with you all soon. All right. All right. Thank you so much for hopping on. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for having me. Of um, course. Of me a course. Anytime. Anytime. Hopefully we get to like work on some shit together soon. Oh, for sure.